Good morning, good afternoon, everybody, and thank you for joining us on this webinar today. My name is Divya Inna. I am Client Relations Manager at Bluetech. Online with me today is Karina Carpentier. Karina is a member of our Technology Assessment Group team and has over 20 years of experience in the water industry with a specialization in water quality monitoring sensors and analyzers. So before we begin the webinar, I'd like to cover some quick housekeeping items. Firstly, please note that as an attendee, you're part of a larger audience. However, due to privacy rights, we've chosen not to list the number of attendees to everyone on the call. Also, as a reminder, the call is being recorded and will be uploaded to our intelligence platform for reference again in the future. And finally, we will be holding a Q&A session at the very end. However, you may ask an online question throughout the presentation today by simply typing in your question into the Q&A panel on your screen. With that, we invite you to sit back, relax, and enjoy today's presentation. Now, everyone has different questions and different depths they need to explore. These are some of the people who use Bluetech Research to gather information. We work with CTOs and technology teams and support in competitive analysis work. We work with new business development leaders and R&D teams to assess uh, new, the innovation landscape and identify new market areas for growth. And we work with strategic investors and M&A groups um, in identifying new investment opportunities. Our clients around the world have real-life questions, and we support our clients by delivering actionable intelligence. The webinar today is a summary of our independent research on the topic of online bacterial monitoring, and it's an update to a report we've previously completed about two years ago. So in two years, we're seeing positive growth in the market. Technologies have advanced. We've seen changes in the regulatory landscape, and we're seeing commercial progress from key players. So there's lots to cover on the topic. Um, so without further ado, we'd like to get started. Karina, over to you. Thank you, Divya. Um, the number of measurement principles used for the detection of microorganisms online and on-site is growing rapidly, and the available methods are becoming increasingly sensitive and user-friendly. So today, I would like to highlight some of our findings from this study, and with a specific focus on the main updates that we have included in the report. Interest in rapid microbial monitoring methods is increasing for various reasons. More and more countries are implementing legally binding regulations for a risk-based approach to drinking water production, such as the water safety plan approach as advocated by WHO. This increases the need for more rapid methods to detect microorganisms, which can support a risk management strategy based on early warning signals. The formation of carcinogenic disinfection byproducts during chlorination or chloramination of drinking water is a growing concern and regulatory measures are being taken to reduce disinfectant overdosing and thus lower the risk of byproducts such as trihalomethanes. This also increases the need for rapid bacterial monitoring methods in order to determine the minimum necessary disinfectant dose and minimize the risk of bacterial contaminations. The use of social media facilitates an increased attention to how businesses address environmental and social issues. A growing number of industrial water users, as well as municipal water utilities, are therefore moving from a license to operate strategy towards a license to grow strategy, which integrates environmental and social sustainability strategies into daily business operations. 
This includes protecting operational staff from microbial infections as a result of, for example, aerosol formation during water treatment or through heating, ventilation and air conditioning units. Rapid microbial detection methods can play a significant role in this. And last but not least, stricter regulations regarding the construction of buildings in relation to the prevention of Legionella outbreaks increase the need of rapid test methods to confirm buildings are indeed Legionella-free. We'll come back to that later uh, during the presentation. Technologies for online microbial monitoring can roughly be divided into two main groups. On the one hand, there's the biochemical methods, and on the other, the physicochemical techniques. Biochemical methods include detection principles based on the biochemistry of the microorganisms, such as enzymes, DNA, RNA, or ATP. Physicochemical techniques detect microorganisms on the basis of their physical characteristics, for example, light reflection or refraction properties, shape, or size. During the presentation, we will not go into detail for each of the detection techniques that we have explored. The table here shows some characteristics that we have investigated and more details can be found in the report. But for now, let's take a closer look at the enzyme assays. Enzyme assays are well-established, standardized and robust methods. The assay does not rely on bacterial growth, but purely on the bacteria metabolizing the substrate offered, and it does this significantly faster than conventional culturing methods. The instruments require frequent replacement of chemicals and consumables, and in high temperature or low temperature climates, an air-conditioned enclosure may be necessary to provide for the correct temperature for the reaction to take place, to preserve the reagents which degrade at high temperature, or keep a minimum temperature in winter so that sampling lines do not freeze up. Although this may seem as a disadvantage if the instrument is to be used at a remote location, this may not be an issue at all if the instrument is installed in a place where staff is permanently or at least frequently present. All the notes mentioned in the report should be seen as nothing more than that. It could be something to take into account when deciding which type of instrument to use, but it may not be relevant in your specific situation. The enzyme assay generally does not distinguish between viable and non-viable organisms. Water samples containing humic or other colored material may be difficult to analyze with this method, as it might interfere with the measurement of the color developed in the reaction. Correction for this background signal can be performed by measurements of blank samples or calibrations on blanks. One method which was not elaborated on in the previous report but has been included now is the measurement of tryptophan fluorescence. This method is fast, it requires no reagents and the instrument needs little calibration or maintenance. However, this is an indirect method which relies on the correlation between the fluorescence signal of tryptophan and the concentration of coliform bacteria. When other microorganisms increase in concentration, or if the composition of the water matrix itself changes, the relationship on which this method is based may no longer be valid. Therefore, this method should be used with caution and regular validation of the results is strongly advised. And here's the second part of the methods we evaluated with at the top the ATP assays, which are rising in popularity at the moment. 
ATP assays are relatively simple to use compared to conventional methods, and test results can be obtained in minutes. The test can be modified to identify viable from non-viable organisms by measuring intracellular and extracellular ATP. However, the presence of detergents, sanitizers, or other chemicals may affect the results. At the bottom of this table, there's also a line on combinations of methods. Combined methods can be used to create the best of both worlds and improve the performance of an individual technique. However, this also comes with a risk that combining technologies into one instrument may complicate operations. DNA RNA assays, ATP assays and light scattering techniques have undergone major developments in the past few years and have moved up significantly on the technology adoption curve. DNA RNA assays have moved into the early adopter stage, whereas ATP assays and light scattering techniques have moved into the early majority stage. This slide shows the key players for the various microbial detection techniques, with enzyme assays being the most crowded space at the moment. It contains larger players, such as Veolia's Tecta, but also smaller ones, such as the Spanish Adasa, the Dutch MicroLAN, and the Austrian VWN solutions. Aplitec and Luminultra are the dominant players with regard to ATP assays. Luminultra has recently teamed up with the Dutch company, the Sensor Factory, resulting in the conversion of their ATP test kit into a fully automated online ATP sensor. In the past few years, some key players have also disappeared from this list. For example, Grundfos's Backmon technology was a fully commercial optical-based technology based on patented Raman spectroscopy to classify all particles present in a water sample as either bacterial or non-bacterial. However, Grundfos now states on its website that the Grundfos Backmon solution has been discontinued and is no longer available. It's unclear why the Bachmann system is no longer commercially available, because as recently as October 2018, a book chapter on this technology was published with glowing references. The other company mentioned here is Zaps Technologies. Zaps Technologies received venture funding in 2011, but went into receivership in November 2017. Its largest investor purchased DIP and critical assets and rehired the inventor and technical staff in April 2019. The company was re-registered and expected to generate around $1.5 million in annual revenues again by the end of 2019. However, as far as we've been able to establish, the activities of the company have not yet resumed and it's unclear if they will become active again. Now we move on to some market challenges, starting with speed versus specificity. Slower methods generally provide a far greater deal of specificity than faster methods. This figure here shows the time range of the various methods described in the report. ATP tests, for example, can be completed in as little as two minutes, but only measure total bacterial load. Enzyme assays can take up to 18 hours to complete, but can be designed to measure specific bacterial species or taxonomic groups. A combination of techniques, such as used by BioTrack, provides high specificity in a relatively short time, 20 to about 120 minutes, but such instruments generally come at a steep price. 
The trade-off between speed and specificity is, however, not a competition in which the best of both worlds needs to be achieved. Each method has its own specific purpose and provide, provides its own answer to a variety of water quality questions related to the presence of microorganisms. Thus, for water utilities as well as other end users, it is important to select the most suitable instrument for any given any given monitoring purpose. US and European drinking water regulations are very specific on what is required from bacterial monitoring processes, with tests, for example, specifically required to detect the amount of bacteria present within a 100 milliliter sample, or to express results in colony forming units per 100 milliliters of water volume. This makes many of the available online microbial monitoring methods less suitable for compliance monitoring under EU and US regulations. However, this does not affect the ability of these methods to support process control and optimization. As a result, online microbial methods are becoming more and more important in risk-based monitoring programs. Such an approach to drinking water moves the emphasis from compliance monitoring at the tap to process monitoring to assess and minimize potential risks in a timely fashion. This means more monitoring at earlier stages of the drinking water treatment process where detection limits can be higher and high specificity is not always required. In this way, the challenge of regulatory compliance is converted to an opportunity for technology suppliers to support risk-based monitoring schemes. This approach is clearly described in the newly proposed EU drinking water directive. Annex 2 of the directive states, monitoring programs shall also include an operational monitoring program complementary to verification monitoring, providing rapid insight in operational performance and water quality problems, and allowing rapid pre-planned remedial action such operational monitoring programs shall be supply specific, taking into account the outcomes of the hazard and supply risk assessments and intended to confirm the effectiveness of all control measures in abstraction, treatment, distribution, storage. This is the key element of the risk-based approach. The requirement of being able to provide rapid insight into these parameters essentially leaves only one viable option to accomplish this online monitoring. Laboratory methods will in most cases not be able to provide results within a time frame that allows for rapid pre-planned remedial action. Public health issues with Legionella most often occur in cases where water is heated such as in hot tubs, cooling towers, public showers and humidifiers. Since the year 2000 the US has seen an 800% increase of Legionnaire's disease caused by Legionella, as indicated in this figure. A simple, rapid, and reliable measurement method for the detection of Legionella pneumophila is of high interest to a range of customers, both inside and outside the water industry, such as hotel and campsite owners, hospitals, consulting engineers or plumbing companies that design and build in-house water systems, or suppliers of heating, ventilation and air conditioning units. Both Europe and the US are implementing increasingly strict regulations with regard to this. At present, it can be noted that Biotrack and Invisible Sentinel 
are the only two companies focusing on the online detection of Legionella, which is surprising considering its pathogenic importance in water systems and its effect on various business sectors. In addition to these companies, there are a limited number of technology suppliers which produce test kits for the detection of Legionella, such as, for example, Spartan Bioscience. A measurement device which can distinguish between harmful and harmless Legionella species, as well as between viable and non-viable microorganisms, could have significant market potential, both in Europe and in North America. Chlorine-free drinking water. A survey performed by the Water Quality Association in 2015 showed that chlorine is perceived as an important contaminant in drinking water by 80% of US citizens over 18 years old. In the USA, chlorine is used as the main disinfection technique by around 69% of water treatment facilities. An important side effect of chlorination can be the formation of toxic disinfection byproducts such as chloroform and other trihalomethanes. Europe, as a region, tends to use chlorine primarily for residual disinfection. Advanced oxidation methods such as ozone are used for primary disinfection purposes. France has banned chloramines from water entirely and Germany, the Netherlands and Austria do not even use chlorine for residual disinfection anymore either. Evidence from these countries shows that the addition of chlorine to distribution networks to prevent the proliferation of waterborne pathogens is unnecessary if other protective barriers are in place. These countries even show lower waterborne disease outbreaks than countries which add disinfectants to compensate for poorly maintained networks, insufficient water treatment, or contaminated water sources. Online microbial monitoring methods support such an approach by providing rapid information on the presence of microorganisms so that processes can be adjusted timely to minimize health risks whenever necessary. As indicated before, there is currently an unmet need for rapid centers to detect Legionella, with the market currently focusing primarily on total coliforms and Escherichia coli. A suitable method for Legionella should be able to detect specifically the harmful species Legionella plamophila and needs to be able to distinguish viable from non-viable cells. Then I come to the overall verdict. The Online bacterial monitoring market is growing at around 7% per year. The growth of the market will mainly depend on the ability of the technologies as described before to find their market niche and prove that they can effectively and reliably solve important issues in specific water processing applications. To succeed in the market, sensors will need to show multiple clear benefits um, for example, uh, lower costs, increased testing frequency, and effective sensitivity for the application. Europe is expected to continue to be at the forefront of online bacterial monitoring in the coming years due to its different approach to residual chlorine in drinking water in a number of countries. We should also expect to see rapid growth in the Asia-Pacific region over the coming years, due to its rapidly expanding population and infrastructure, combined with de de decreasing sources of tradable water. 
A third growth area is formed by the increasing backlog in maintenance of water infrastructure, mainly in the United States, causing an increased incidence of waterborne disease outbreaks. Online bacterial monitoring techniques are currently weighted towards the heavily regulated drinking water utilities. However, industrial applications are expected to start to adopt these technologies more aggressively in the coming years. For example, to monitor Legionella in cooling systems, public buildings or recreational facilities, or to monitor the bacterial quality of water in, for example, food processing plants. And with this, I come to the end of my presentation. Aside from the Horizon Scan Report, other blue tech resources on this topic include the Insight Report on Sensors and Technologies, the Blueprint on Early Warning Detection Systems, and general information within the blue tech research platform and innovation trackers. All these sources are accessible via the bluetechresearch.com website. Thank you very much for your attention, and if there are any questions, I will be happy to try and answer them. Excellent. Thanks very much for that, Karina. Um, question on the technology development curve. I think it was slide slide seven. Can you give us a sense? So when we when we at Blue Tech apply this model, we're talking about um, what takes technology from an innovator to an early adopter. So can you give us a sense in terms of numbers? What would it mean to have a technology in terms of units? What would it mean for a technology like ATP or, or, or Raman spectroscopy to be in that sort of early adopter stage, um, and what would it mean to, to then move on to early majority? Uh, yes, thank you, Divya. Um, the, of course, the, this, this technology adoption curve, um, the underlying figures are very different depending on the technologies you look at, but for, um, for sensor technologies in, in general, and maybe more specifically for uh, microbial monitoring systems, I would say that more or less the, the early adopter stage would be around about a thousand unit souls, whereas the mm -hmm. early majority, we would say something between five and 10,000 units. Okay, okay, interesting. And um, you mentioned that there were a few of these technologies that have moved or, or, or obviously seen a transition versus the others. So is there a, a specific reason as to why we've seen a movement with ATP and with DNA RNA assays? Well, we don't have any solid figures about that, but we think it has something to do uh, with two factors influencing that. Uh, for example, for, for DNA, RNA assays, we know that in other sectors, uh, a lot of research is still ongoing on, on DNA and RNA, especially in the, uh, in the medical and pharmaceutical sectors. And this also helps the further development of such assays to become more sophisticated, better applicable, and, and more user-friendly. And that's why we probably see these assays move up. Um, um, ATP assays, for example, uh, have been developed uh, for, for example, the dairy industry in the past few years, and now we see that development uh, moving back to the to the water industry again. I think originally ATP test kits were were developed mostly for for water purposes. Then we saw that move into uh, into dairy products, and now we see it see that development move back into mm -hmm. uh, into the water industry again so um it's it's either because um other sectors are putting a lot of research into 
um, into development of such methods and then of course the water industry can benefit from that um, or because specific players in that market um, uh, take up the challenge and really try to move things forward for certain uh, types of technologies. Okay, very interesting. Um, we've getting some questions on Legionella in particular. So the question is, what's currently considered a dangerous concentration of Legionella? Um, WHO has developed a, um, a tiered approach towards Legionella. I don't have the figures out of the top of my head, but um, there's four tiers in that approach. Uh, as described by WHO, whereas the first tier is kind of a, a signal, uh, a warning indication, and the fourth tier requires immediate action. Um, I could try and quickly look up those uh, figures, but maybe we could send them afterwards. But we can follow up. Have them somewhere. Sure. Yeah, we can follow up on that. But um, there are specific. Uh, detection levels and the densities that have been identified as, as being warning or, or uh, action limit values. Mm -hmm. Okay, and um, lastly, just in terms of legionella detection in tap water, um, do you have a view on lateral flow assays? Um, it might not have been something that we perhaps covered in the or perhaps wasn't covered in the scope of the report, but have you come across um, lateral flow assays for the detection of Legionella? It's not something we have looked at in particular. Uh, we have looked at the strategy for uh, Legionella detection in tap water because we have noticed that uh, some companies are, for example, focusing on uh, private homeowners for uh, Legionella test kits. Uh, which of course then uh, detects the Legionella uh, at the tap. Um, that strategy is could be of interest if you are interested in in knowing whether it's there or not. But uh, we think that that approach is not particularly effective because uh, for private homeowners it's relatively simple to avoid any problems with Legionella. You just have to make sure that your warm water installation reaches a certain temperature. Generally, we say uh, above 62 to 63 degrees Celsius. And then you should not have any problems with Legionella in tap water in private homes. So um, the whole tap water monitoring issue of Legionella is um, is a matter of strategy, really. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Great. Well, thanks very much for your time, Karina. I know the report, just for all the Blue Tech clients who have logged on, that the report is designed to be generic um, because we're um, working with a different range of clients across different verticals. So um, there's always the opportunity to, to talk to us in more detail uh, via email, and we can certainly schedule a more detailed call with Karina on the report also. So thanks, everyone, for joining, and Karina, especially thanks to you for your time.